Like, seriously, you got to chill out, man. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Sometimes you got to just laugh. But how can we do that when things seem so overwhelming, when they seem so serious? How can we face life for real and still be having a great time? Welcome to Consciously, a podcast focused on honest conversation by regular people and for regular people seeking spiritual growth. Hey there, Consciously. Welcome back. Grateful to be here. Really excited. Lots of good stuff going on. I got two interviews I'm doing this week. I've been talking about them a few times. Also, a new series I'm doing with Shmaya Hanekman, which I'm going to release at the end of the week. Uh, We're doing a uh, Facebook Live on... Shmaya is actually interviewing me on my new book, Consciously. So it's great. He asks me some questions. It gives me an opportunity to share in an interesting way that I don't get to on this podcast, share some personal stuff uh, and share some of my uh, kind of that experience. So I'm going to try to release that. We're going to do that Facebook Live on Thursday and I'll try to release the audio of that of the interview for the previous week, uh, the same day. So I uh, hope you enjoy that. Um, if you're liking the podcast, we really encourage you to uh, let other people know about it, uh, invite them to listen in, especially if you think they like it. And also subscribe and give us a five-star review on Apple that helps us get the word out really, really well. And uh, it's very useful. I really appreciate it. Also, I want to remind you to like and follow our social media pages, Instagram and Facebook, uh, The Light Revealed and Consciously, Consciously 62. Lastly, just uh, one more reminder um, about my book, Consciously, Path to a Vibrant Relationship with God. It's uh, out in stores on Amazon, uh, Jewish bookstores, and uh, online at Mosaica Press. The links are in the episode description. Finally, I announced last week that we are joining the Intentional Jew Podcasting Network, a friend, uh, Aaron Walgalanter, who's um, starting up this podcast network. There's some really nice podcasts on it. Uh, one from a Rabbi Sima Lerner in specific that I listened to last week. He specifically focuses in on, on the teachings of Rosh Hashem of Fuller Hirsch, who has had incredible impact on me and on my thinking. It's uh, it's philosophical in its nature. It's rationalistic in its nature. Uh, but it also has kind of an underlying uh, spirituality to it that's very, very rich. You can definitely visit us on the website, intentionaljew.com. So there's a lot going on in the world. I'm going to try to get this episode out today, which is Monday. Uh, or Tuesday, right right in time for the re- very serious election that's going on. Um, there's a lot of serious things going on in the world. There's a, I don't know if you realize that there's a worldwide t- pandemic. Millions of people are sick. Millions of people have died. It's really, really sad. It's really intense. Uh, the economy took a huge hit here in the United States, and uh, we're trying to make our way back, but uh, things are pretty serious. And uh, one of the most important tools that we have as human beings um, to cope with and to handle and face the challenges that come our way is laughter. Laughter, joy, humor. It's just an incredibly important tool for us to be able to effectively and resiliently handle uh, the challenges that come our way. So I really wanted to take a minute, kind of a what does that mean episode on laughter and kind of take a look at maybe even practically how we can try to bring some of that humor and laughter into our lives. So if you think about ham- laughter, there's kind of two types of laughter. There's the type that's driven by uh, a joyful sense of optimism. And there's another type of laughter that's kind of cynical and sarcastic. Um, you know, it, you kind of have the sense that sometimes, you know, you're either being laughed at or laughing with. 
And I think that the same thing holds true uh, with life. Like we're kind of either laughing with life, given the tragic parts, or we're kind of laughing at life. And the, the challenge with getting lost in a in a, a posture of laughing at life, of kind of getting lost in, in sarcasm, is that it, it, it leaves you kind of very, very unhappy. It leaves you really, really unhappy. And we actually kind of see this played out in this week's Torah portion, actually last week as well. Uh, we have the story of Abraham and Sarah, who are 90 and 100 years old. Abraham is 100 and Sarah's 90. And God informs them that they're going to have a child named Yitzchak. The first one was in last week's portion, uh, where God commands Abraham to to have a brit milah, to have a, a circumcision. And uh, and then in this week's portion, the angels come, the story of Abraham sitting outside of his tent after his brit milah and through the third day, and the angels come to visit him, and he displays tremendous hachnasat orchim, welcoming guests. And, and one of the angels comes, and one of his job was to inform Abraham and Sarah that he would return in a year and he, they would have a son. It was, it was Pesach and then the following Pesach, they would have a son. And both of them have the same reaction to that information. In last week's portion, Abraham laughs. And in this week's portion, Sarah laughs. And actually Yitzchak's name, Isaac's name, is laughter. Letzachek means to laugh. Yitzchak is, uh, you know, is a, is a derivative of that word. So, but if we look at the narrative, Abraham's laughter seems to be a good thing. It's encouraged, supported, uh, Hashem actually tells Abraham to name his son Yitzchak after it, and um, and Sarah's laughter actually is is um, causes God to rebuke her, and 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 another th- interesting ha- thing happens is that Sarah, when she's kind of cynically laughing at God's promise to bring them a child, she denigrates Abraham, and we know that that's negative because God, when He repeats the story back to Abraham, lies. He tells a fib, so to speak. This is where we learn. Uh, the idea that sometimes in order to maintain peace, you have to tell a little bit of a fib. Um, God repeats the story back to Abraham and tells him that Sarah said that she was too old, not that Abraham was too old, so that he didn't cause a rift between them. So Sarah's laughter is negative, and Abraham's laughter is positive. What's the message? And we're not talking about the characters in history. They're people of tremendous character and ability and prophets and all that kind of stuff. So we're just kind of, what can we learn from the narrative of the story, and what you see in that story are these two types of laughter. The laughter of sorrow was cynical and negative, and therefore manifested in her hurting or denigrating the person that she loved most in the world and respected most. Abraham's laughter, on the other hand, is good. It's a laughter of joy. It's a laughter at being able to see the absurdity that in spite of the fact that Abraham and Sarah waited so long for God to fulfill his promise, to a degree that where they had both kind of given up on it actually happening, and then it was actually going to happen. And it was going to happen when they were old. And it's it's absurd, and it's funny. It's a joyful belly laugh. And that's the essence of Yitzchak, and that's the essence of the absurdity in the presence of the Jewish people, the tragic and absurd presence of the Jewish people, um, and the impact that we've had on world history. There's a certain humor to the whole thing. So we broke down laughter to these kind of two types. We have a joyful laughter, laughter, and that requires a certain sense of hope and optimism, a faithfulness that things will be okay. And what seems serious is not as serious as it appears. And then there's kind of like a cynical humor that emerges out of this kind of jaded space within ourselves that lacks hope and optimism. Kind of a faith in what's not going right and that things won't change. 
uh, a feeling that nothing deserves to be taken seriously because it's unfair and won't work out anyways, right? So what's interesting is that in both scenarios of laughter, we're kind of not taking what's going on too seriously. Um, In one scenario, we're not taking it seriously, too seriously in a joyful manner. And I think that, as we'll kind of talk about in a second, um, in a very realistic manner. And in the other one, we're not taking it seriously because we kind of take ourselves too seriously. Um, And we kind of are operating from this jaded, nihilistic, uh, hopeless place that's angry and frustrated and resentful. And, and And that, I think, is why when we are in that space of that kind of cynical, sarcastic humor, it oftentimes leads us to such a dark experience of the world and such a destructive way of being around other people. You know, uh, when we're lost looking at life in a jaded and sarcastic way, we tend to be sarcastic with with others. We tend to be more obnoxious. We tend to be to feel like everyone's always attacking us and therefore lash out and attack them. We aren't able to wear life like a loose garment. We just are stuck in a very, very overly serious space. Even though sometimes when we're in that overly serious, sarcastic space, we don't actually live like serious people. We actually, it actually drives us to kind of live in a more counterculture or antisocial way. So the, the question that kind of emerges is, how can we foster joyful laughter in the face of real challenges and letdowns? Like life's really hard and really, really serious, complicated times come up and really, really bad things occur. So if laughter is such a powerful tool to be able to overcome, to be resilient through all the challenges that we face, how am I supposed to do that Like, and actually face the reality of my life? You know, you, you have like sometimes you encounter these people that are just happy-go-lucky. Uh, they seem to not notice the negativity all around us. I'm not, I'm not one of those people at all. I, <laughs> I, I more often than not notice what's wrong with the world more often than not, I, I tend to kind of see things overly too seriously. I tend to have the impulse to take myself too seriously. So as, as, as more critical thinkers, what are some steps that we can take to try to foster some of that joyful laughter? So I kind of took it, uh, broke it down to three concrete takeaways that I think we can focus on that really help us to get through. Uh, the first is, a, is based on a teaching from Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. And there, there's an interesting idea in Judaism, and this is not exclusive to Judaism, but the idea of, of kofa es yitzro, which means to suppress our impulse that we have inside of us. And we've talked about this before in the podcast. We have inside of us an impulse towards, towards evil and an impulse towards good. Um, but even the impulse towards evil is not necessarily an impulse towards overt evil, right? Like not everyone that does things wrong is the same as Hitler, right? Hitler's like a pretty bad guy. Right, but we have a certain impulse towards the Ra, towards this worldliness, toward towards materiality. And in the process of trying to expand our spirituality and develop ourselves as humans, it's it's critically important that we learn how to manage our impulses towards materialism instead of allowing those impulses towards materialism to manage us, right? Because that ends in all sorts of complicated circumstance, dependencies, addictions, dishonesty. Uh, and, all, and all sorts of other mistakes. So in the spiritual literature, when it talks about kofa es yitzro, suppressing your inclination, your evil inclination, the, the implication of it is that I'm suppressing my desire, my lust for material things. 
and primarily material things that are not either not good for me or not in line with my seeking of spirituality. But Rabbi Nachman of Breslov says a really, really powerful thing. He says, aside from, or in addition to, or at the, uh, at the same time that I have an inclination towards Ra, towards that which is separate from God or th- towards materiality, um, which we call an evil inclination, I have a Yetzer Hara, I have an inclination towards looking at what's wrong with my life. That he, as human beings, of course, there's, there's always those people, and, and probably those people worked on that and developed a, a, a good quality of being able to see the best in others and see the good in every situation. But definitely there are certain people that are more inclined and less inclined. But Rabbi Nachman says that all we all in some degree have this inclination to see what's wrong with our lives, what's wrong with us, what's wrong with the people around us, and what's wrong with our lives, how our lives should be better, how we should be better, and how others should be better. And Rabbi Nachman reveals a, a kind of a sleight of hand where he says, Kofa es Yitzro is not so much or only suppressing my inclination to materiality, but rather suppressing my impulse to look at what's wrong in my life. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not wrong things in my life, meaning it's true, there are bad things going on in my life, but I don't have to give free reign to my impulse to look for those things. What would be the alternative? The alternative would be a choice to direct my attention to what's right with my life, to what's going right in this circumstance, to what can I do more of, Right? So oftentimes you encounter a problem and the impulse, the Yetzirah, the impulse that we have is to look at what's not working. So if I just addressed what's wrong with my life, then I would reach the ultimate. And we do this as humans in many, many different ways. We do it in society. We, society ad- identifies a problem and the impulse of society is to think, if I just address this problem, this issue in society, then all the problems would fall away and then we would be in utopia. And, and human history, particularly in the last 200 years, has proven that that's not true. That every time you, you suppress a problem, another problem props up. Oftentimes, the way in which you suppress the problem creates more problems. Sometimes the problems that it creates are worse than the problems that it sought to address. And that's true in, 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 in a variety of ways. So what Rabbi Nachman reveals, and in some ways I'm kind of taking it in a different context, is instead of giving in to my impulse to look at what's wrong, whenever I encounter, I'm involved in a process and I encounter a problem and it's not working out, instead of focusing on what's not working, focus on what is working and do more of that. Now, this is not necessary, not all three of these things have to be practical in every situation, right? But I'm going to describe three things that I've come to see are really, really useful uh, throughout the human experience. So oftentimes, it is practical to look at what's working right in my life, what's working right in this circumstance. And and instead of following my impulse to try to get rid of what's wrong, I focus on expanding what's right. And suddenly a solution that I hadn't previously seen comes true in my life. I've told this story. I think I've told this on the podcast where I had a, I learned this from my, my brother-in-law. Her brother-in-law is incredibly intelligent, talented, uh, mechanically, and he's he's a he's, he's a great person. Anyway, so he he and I were working on a project. It was a, a we were building something. Well, he was probably working on the project as a favor to me, and I was like being his helper because that's usually how that used to go. So so anyway, so we were trying to get some screws out. I think it was a door. We were trying to get some screws out of the door, and the screws were getting um, threaded. So I noticed him do something. So he was 
hitting a screw and it's starting to thread and he's getting frustrated. And instead of continuing on that same screw, he left that screw and went and took out all the other screws, right? He left, and I'm, I'm thinking, well, you can't leave that screw. We're going to have to get rid of that screw. Why are, you, why are you ignoring the screw? There's a screw there that you left. It's now left there. We have a problem. It's threaded. You know, we're going to have a big problem later on. You're going to go and ignore that problem and do some other things, but then we're going to come back to the screw. Anyway, this is what's going on in my brain. I'm having like a like, a, like an attack, right? And then I watch him. He hits all the screws, gets them all out. Then he goes back to the screw that he had previously been working on that was threaded and it came out right away. Now that didn't make any sense, right? I can like rationalize what happened. Like maybe he was frustrated, maybe just coming at it from a new angle, maybe, you know, a variety of things could have occurred to explain the phenomenon, but it's not even about the phenomenon. The story is not about the phenomenon. What's really powerful there is the principle for life that you can kind of pick up from that which is sometimes if things are not working out, direct your attention to what's working. And then you might be able to come back to what wasn't working in the first place and you find that it will work this time because you've changed your attitude, you've changed your perspective, right? By directing your attention to what's right in your life, what's wrong in your life oftentimes falls away or becomes revealed as something that's actually right. So that's the first one. The second one is that we have to make an overt effort. And this is particularly when we're facing challenges like real challenges, real things that are serious, that are complicated, um, and, and maybe are bothersome, and maybe are frustrating, and maybe are not working out. But, but nonetheless, if we're going to be able to address those issues with resilience in a way that's productive, we can approach those things with a decision to foster hope and optimism while staying grounded, to take specific focus on developing hope and optimism while staying grounded because we, we can't get lost in magical thinking. So what that looks like is actively thinking about how things are going to work out, which is a principle we learn like most famously from the Rebbe, the, the, the Tzemach Tzedek, who would say, Trach good sein good, right? Which means think good and it will be good, the power of positive thinking. What, and that, what that teaching shows us is, is that sometimes we encounter a problem and instead of focusing on the reality that it might not work out, just for the sake of thinking positively, think about the fact that it is going to work out, in spite of the fact that all the evidence seems to point to the opposite. And then in addition to that, this is the second part of it, develop an optimism and an awareness that we're going to be okay, that we're going to be able to handle whatever comes no matter what. By reducing the panic, the expectation, and the projection to step away from the overt and overwhelming seriousness and A, think proactively positive. And at the same time, I'm thinking proactively positive. I can also be real that even if it doesn't work out, I'm going to be okay because I have my higher power with me. God's with me. I'm not alone. I've handled this before. I've had disappointments. I've had setbacks. I had failures. It's not allowing us to get stuck in a place where we have to have the absolute outcome that we insist upon that maybe things are going to play out and maybe it's going to be uncomfortable and maybe it's going to be challenging and maybe we're going to encounter failure and maybe we're going to let down and maybe horrible things are going to occur, but we are going to get through this. It's the, that ability to remind ourselves that we're going to be okay. And then the last thing is to be able to step back and humbly acknowledge that I and my opinions are not the most important thing. That, what we're, that while what I'm dealing with might be very, very serious, I can't afford to take myself too seriously. So I don't have to buy into the narrative that I know the truth. 
in spite of the fact that it seems to me like it is the truth. That sometimes it seems like a situation is hopeless. And if I'm not taking myself too seriously, I can acknowledge that it just seems like it's hopeless. And that might turn out to be true, or it might turn out to not be true. But I can't have that attitude. I can't have that sense of balance if I don't acknowledge that I don't know everything. And I'm not the hero and end all. And it's not all about me. So that, so that key is to not take myself too seriously. So in order for us to, in, to be enabled to face life from a sense of joyful laughter, to be able to laugh at ourselves, to laugh at our slips and falls, to laugh at ourselves as imperfect human beings, we have to suppress our impulse to look at what's wrong with us, with our lives, with those around us. We have to practice and make an effort to foster hope and optimism while staying grounded. And we have to step back and stop taking ourselves so gosh darn seriously. Thanks for listening to the Consciously Podcast. Consciously is a project of The Living Room, which is a division of Our Place New York, and made possible by the kindness of the Capellius family, in memory of Tsipora Basravaro. The host of Consciously is Menachem Posnansky, and produced by Chaim Kohn, and our trusted assistant to the regional co-host, Shmaya Hanekman. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on Apple or wherever else you get your podcasts. We sincerely welcome and appreciate your feedback, so please feel free to email us at consciously62 at gmail.com or on our Instagram and Facebook pages. Oh,